Welcome to Ahead of the Game, a podcast brought to you by the Digital Marketing Institute. This episode is a big Q&A, where we explore an area of marketing through a leading industry expert. I'm your host, Will Francis, and today I'll be talking to Julie Atherton about managing crises in social media. We'll talk about how to spot, evade, manage, and survive a social media crisis, and of course, how to emerge from the episode wiser and stronger. Julie is the founder and managing director of the marketing consultancy, Small Wonder. A business leader, author, public speaker, consultant, and strategist, she has over 30 years experience gained working with global brands, including Nissan, AXA, Deloitte, ASOS, and many, many more. Her book, Social Media Strategy, A Practical Guide to Social Media Marketing and Customer Engagement, was published in 2019 and is widely used by marketing professionals and as a core text in universities in the UK and the US. Julie, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to see you again. Good to see you again, Will, as well. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a real pleasure because what we're going to talk about today is um, kind of one of the really important pillars of social media and social media strategy because ultimately any company that publishes content on a social channel is at risk in some way of having a crisis of some sort. So I suppose first off, what I'd like to know is, you know, let's just sort of define the terms. Like what kind of situations are we talking about here when we talk about a social media crisis? Like does a misspelled tweet count or is it just the big stuff like major scandals? Yeah, I, I think that's a really, really good question to start off with, actually, because I think there is a, you know, there can be quite a little, uh, quite a lot of misconception about what we actually mean by a social media crisis. And actually, uh, a social media crisis might not even start on social media, uh, might not be anything to do with the fact that a brand is on social, that a crisis manifests itself on social media. It's actually any kind of crisis, any kind of situation where an organisation loses control of the narrative, it loses control of the situation and is no longer managing that conversation around their brand or participating in a positive way about their brand um, with the public. So actually something might have happened that doesn't happen on social media. You know, it might be somebody going into a restaurant and having a really terrible meal and and making a complaint about that. And then it, but because they do that on social media, it then um, starts to become a social media crisis if if it isn't handled correctly. So, you know, very often, um, you know, a social media crisis will originate somewhere else. And it might be, you know, a a disaster like an airline disaster it might be um you know a rogue a comment made by uh, you know a ceo of a business um at a meeting or or something um that's you know completely separate from what's going on on social but once it hits social media and starts to be talked about and we're losing control of that narrative then we're in danger of being in an actual crisis yeah um, I, I, I understand that. I mean, don't know if you saw the news today, but Amazon put uh, created a new app logo for their app and people pointed out that it looked a bit like Hitler's face and they quietly changed it. But by the time they'd done that, it was already all over social media. Uh, the fact that they'd subtly changed it actually was, was all over social media as well. And they'd 
kind of lost control of that narrative and not really taken part in it. Yeah, and it's interesting. That's interesting, um, that example, because there's a, an old example, a much older example a few years ago with JCPenney in the US and they launched a new kettle. And when they launched that kettle, people said it looked like Hitler's face. But they actually, the, you know, the photograph, the way it was um, photographed looked like Hitler's face. And what they did, that they were very, very open about how they handled it. So rather than saying, oh, you know, we've made a bit of a mistake, let's just try and pretend we haven't um, in the way that maybe Amazon have done. They mm. were really upfront about it. They had a single um, way of responding, some you know, they wrote something about, you know, we're really sorry that, you know, we're really, uh, they were sort of kind of amused, but um, conciliatory in this response. And they had exactly the same response that went every time anyone tweeted about it, mentioned it anywhere on any channel, they came back with exactly the same response. Um, and on obviously, um, you know, then made change to the, the way that they photographed that product. Yeah. So, okay. So if one of the defining factors is that the conversation is out of your control, I mean, it, but isn't that the case with social media? Isn't that part of a brand entering social media in the first place is letting go of contr total control over your brand and the messaging around it? So yes, I think that's a good point to make. So when we go, when we when we enter social media as an organisation, we are giving up some of that control to our fans, our followers, the wider public who might engage with us. But we do it in a way if we're in control of our marketing strategy, in control of our social media strategy, in control of our PR. We do it in a way which means that. We are participating in a narrative with those individuals that is generally positive about our brand. So we've got truths that we need to tell. We've got things that we want to share and people are engaging with us in good faith and in a positive way. They may have small complaints about things. So, you know, maybe, you know, if we're a utility company, people are constantly complaining about their utility company or their rail company or, you know, all of these things. They're, they're, they're standard fare for these kind of industries for people to be making complaints. And there will always be complaints about what goes on in our organizations because you know people don't always have a great experience but if we can control the narrative if we can respond to that in a way that's acceptable to people and we keep it as a low level problem management rather than crisis where everyone's piling in it's sitting the new uh, you know the broader news media people are starting to um bring in wider examples and ask people to share it. So, you know, something like um, the Neverspoons, hashtag Neverspoons example, where I even created an app to say, you know, try and find a pub to go to that isn't a Spoons after, you know, the CEO of Weatherspoons at the beginning of the, the first um, lockdown crisis implied that perhaps the people wouldn't be getting their wages because the furlough money might not come through quickly enough. And actually did backtrack later and say they definitely would. But once that video that he created had gone viral, once everyone had started to think that, you know, maybe he wasn't treating his staff well enough, 
the whole narrative exploded and the Neverspoons app, you know, and the Neverspoons hashtag became a really, you know, trending um, mm. on social media. And they've got no control of that. And the, the, everyone's talking about how terrible they are as an organisation rather than things that might be good about it. And interestingly, they lost so much control of the narrative that staff then came back and started to say, don't do Never Spoons, don't stop coming here because we're paid so little already that we can't afford for you. If, if our pubs start closing or we get less hours than we've already got, we're not going to survive at all. So actually, it, every aspect of, of what perhaps wasn't so great about the brand was highlighted over and over again from, every, you know, from all sorts of people. And and the noise was all about that and not about what the brand wanted to say, what, what Weatherspoons wanted to say. How could they have gained control of that? So I think that's it's a, a challenge, isn't it? Um, you know, when you've got a very vocal CEO with very strong opinions and somebody who perhaps isn't um, maybe a bit culturally naive. So in a way, as a brand, you know, they've already, they've been in trouble several other times. Um, you know, they they were in trouble over the similar way over Brexit when there was quite a lot of um press about them suggesting that staff were being forced to make pro-Brexit comments in social. Um, so I think um, they they need you need to be ready, don't you? You need to be ready to say, you know, perhaps some media training or just being aware that this is what's going to happen. Now it may be, I don't I don't know the brand, maybe they want that kind of controversy in the market, you know, in social media. Maybe they're looking for that kind of controversy. Um, but if they're not looking for that kind of controversy, then it's probably better to to prepare for that, you know, those wrote mm. those comments that might be off message. Um, when you've got a big personality who might be saying those. I mean, Trump's probably the greatest example of that, isn't he? He's like you know, he was a big personality who kind of knew how to go how to go off message, um, but that became part of his um, persona on social. So, is there a test for spotting a crisis? So, I think that um, I think that we need to be very aware of how we who is talking about us in social media and how they're talking about us. And we also have to be, you know, very aware of the relationship between the traditional press and social. So often social media is run not by the PR people within an organisation. And PR teams know the impact of the press and they work very closely with the traditional sort of press and traditional journalist media whether that's online or offline I don't mean you know it doesn't have to be print um, but the public really trust that um, tradition those traditional media channels they have a lot of trust in those environments so I think we need to be very aware of the relationship between the um that traditional media and social media in this kind of crisis environment. And we need to also be very aware of what's happening with our brand. So 
we should have some sort of basic stuff set up, some basic listening set up so that we can, um, we're not the last person to find out that our, you know, our social pages are swamped with negative comments or that we've got um, a huge amount more, uh, we're being mentioned a huge amount more than we normally are. We've got, you know, we're we're actually trending on on social platforms, and we didn't we, we don't normally trend on social platforms. So so we should know we should have alert set up for those kind of things, um, and and we should be able to recognise when something might be culturally, uh, whether it when it's just a, a complaint or a small. Um, thing that we can change quite quickly and when it might explode into something much more problematic. So I'll give you an example of two um, very famous um, primetime co-hosts of shows, uh, very popular shows in the UK, one of which is um, a, a show called Saturday Night Takeaway. And this show was sponsored by the brand Suzuki and the sponsorship deal sponsored not only the show, but also the two hosts, Anne and Deck. And in 2018, uh, Anne was um, involved in a car accident, but it was due to drink driving. So obviously as a brand, they've got a social media crisis potentially on their hands. They actually didn't end up with a social media crisis. And the reason they didn't end up with a social media crisis was because they responded really well. They instantly, they had the monitoring in place. Um, They obviously were alerted, I presume, by um, Ant's um, team that this had happened uh, at the same time as, uh, as the incident happened. And they very, very quickly made some decisions about what to do. So they were very empathetic and very sympathetic and very understanding um, with the people who'd been involved in the incident. They were very clear about what was right and what was wrong. And they were supportive of and admitting that he had a problem and that he needed to have help. And they very, very quickly terminated the sponsorship deal. So they didn't try to prevaricate they looked at what their values were they looked at what should be right and then they responded immediately to do that so if they hadn't noticed that what people were saying and the and you know the feeling that was out there in social media part sympathy for him but part outrage that he was drink driving you know if they hadn't responded quickly if they hadn't been empathetic if, to both him with his problem and also the people who were involved in the car accident then they could have been in a really serious situation. But what they did was they thought very carefully, how do we protect our brand, what we stand for, and also show compassion and empathy and humanity in this situation very publicly, you know. Uh, and so so I think we have to be able to spot these things by really being alert to what's going on, what's out there. And it's almost like the worst thing you can do is try and gloss over it. And the best thing you can do is is meet it head on, be, you know, show honesty, openness and transparency from the off. Um, and so I suppose it feels like there's a bit of a kind of a first response kind of process, almost like a, 
you know, I suppose that that spotting of a crisis is followed by a sort of triage phase. You know, what steps does that consist of? So I think this is really interesting, um, this this idea of a triage that you describe it. And and I think also I think it comes down to um, what most things in um, life do, you know, in most things in business do and life when we're trying to uh, respond to something where we have uh, lots of uncertainties, where we might be well out of our comfort zone and where we we can't do it alone. We need to do it with others. And it's all, I think, about leadership and how we think about that kind of process that we need to go through. So what I, I was reading um, some work that was done by McKinsey over the lockdown period and looking at how organisations respond to crisis. So they weren't really looking at social media crises in particular but they're talking about crisis in general and how organizations respond and they they've analyzed how the best leaders have responded and how the best organizations have come how the organizations have come through this pandemic that we've been through in the best possible way and they've boiled it down to this three four things so um they call it pause assess anticipate act and I think it's really really a very good way of thinking about it and we should all probably employ that whether we're leading that triage or we're involved in that triage process so first of all you know don't just respond straight away you know we need to think about what we believe this situation is is it just a difficult situation or could it escalate into a full crisis what are the signs that we're seeing there are we seeing uh, you know things going viral are we seeing um you know, are we losing control of the narrative do we think somebody's hacked our account you know all of these things that that might tell us that it probably is going to go viral or have we got some sympathy some you know some some consideration mixed in there with what people are thinking about us so make that pause just so that you've got time to get the information and then assess that situation and then anticipate what might happen what could be the worst scenario what could be the best case scenario and then what are we going to do to make sure that it goes as uh, you know as best as possible in that direction that we want it to do and I think the Amazon example you gave at the at the beginning don't think they've probably done you know they maybe didn't haven't anticipated how, what people are going to think if you don't if you try to gloss over it if you don't announce what you've done just to say oops really sorry about that you know we've made a change because obviously we wouldn't want we wouldn't want our logo to look like Hitler but, you know, that would have been fine. Everyone would probably thought that was slightly amusing. But to kind of do it shiftily, is, it just it gives fuel to that fire, doesn't it? But I suppose the unique thing about Amazon is they don't really need to care too much about things like that because they've become such a necessary part of our lives. We'll buy from them whatever, really. And I think that's, in a way, that's, if you think about Facebook was a bit like that, 
maybe there still are i don't know i don't yeah. <laughs> but facebook was very much like that if you think at the time of the um the cambridge analytica scandal um and shortly after that we had the 20 the 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 us election the last one not the one we just had but the the you know the 2016 us election where we had this complete fake news kind of i think people were looking at more fake news on facebook than they were looking at real news on yeah. on on other channels and facebook responded to that in a way that was very they didn't really respond they took ages to respond they gave the wrong numbers first on the cambridge analytica data breach data incident then they kind of um didn't really tell they weren't very transparent about what was going on so they got a lot of backlash about all of those things and i think they've started to learn how to be more transparent how to be more open the then you know they're a big organization and so all-encompassing they're probably learning more slowly than smaller businesses might do but if you look back to what happened in what's happened in 2020 where they've now got their um ethics committee that are making decisions on content they're being much more transparent about how they're making those decisions and they're also um you know did suspend trump for 24 hours didn't they and they did take down Mm. content and so they were you know, trying to manage their response, how themselves, you know, the story about their responsibility and about um, how they behave so that the crisis doesn't become about them because they're they're distributing that media, not mm-hmm. being the, you know, being the story. So I think that's quite interesting yeah. the way they've responded and tried to learn from some of the things that have happened. Hello, a quick reminder from me that if you're enjoying our podcast series, why not become a member of the DMI so that you can enjoy loads more content from webinars and case studies to toolkits and more real-life insights from the world of digital marketing. Head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com forward slash ahead of the game to sign up for free. Now back to the podcast. So talk me through this triage process that you talk about as PAAA. It's pause, assess, anticipate and act. And the pause element is just take a moment to really make sure you know um, what's going on, to make sure you've got all of the information and the inputs coming in that you need in order to understand the situation. Then assess all of that and and think about what that means. Um, So there'll be lots of questioning and asking people and making sure you're talking to the right people as well. And you've got as many, you know, the right inputs coming in. And then you need to anticipate what you think might the out the outcome might be. So in terms of a social media crisis, do we think this is just a, a general problem that's that's quite easy for us to respond to and move on or do we think it could, um, you know, um, could it get, you know, suddenly kind of um, explode and be, and be much worse? And 
you know, maybe just anticipate what the what those two outcomes could be or two or three outcomes could be and then make a decision and act. And crucially, acting is really important. You know, we need to act in a timely way. Um, sometimes when we're in a crisis, we become paralysed by indecision because we don't know what to do, but we need to do something we don't need to do it instantly. We have got time to think, but then we do need to move on and and, and make a, some kind of action. Yeah, that that's that's actually a point I wanted to ask you about. How quickly do we need to respond? So, I think we don't need to respond as quickly as perhaps people think with all of the information. We need to. Um, we, if we respond too quickly, we might not have all of the information that we need and we may actually, you know, if we haven't done the proper assessment part of what I was talking about, we might um, tell people false information and then when we come back and correct it, we seem to be out of control or we seem to be making things up, you know. That was the Cambridge Analytica example, really, wasn't it, with Facebook? Like, they came back and said... Um, there was a certain number of records that had been used. And then they ended up almost doubling that amount when they actually did find out all the information. And everyone starts to feel uncertain then. So you don't need to say what the number is straight away if you don't know what the number is. Um, so I think I think um, you, do, you don't need to respond with the solution straight away, but you need to respond to say that you know what's going on. So... Uh, a really good example um, would be um, Southwest Airlines, which had a, a really terrible incident in 2018 when a passenger was, after an explosion, a passenger was sucked out and, and actually died. And so what was happening on the plane were people were live streaming on Facebook, the fact that they thought the end was nigh. They had people tweeting, sending messages. You know, it was just going viral everywhere. All of this stuff was going viral. Obviously, the um, Southwest Airlines are trying to control the situation. They're trying to get the plane down. You know, there's so many things that they're trying to do that are really, really important to save everybody else's lives. But the CEO immediately came out with a statement which was really empathetic, really sensitive to what was going on and telling everybody that they were on it and they were sorting it. And then they kept being really super transparent all the way through. Um, they, you know, they actually... Um, just kept everyone up to date with what was going on. They um, they were using their social listening tools, so they were being fed in real time everything that was happening. They immediately changed their banner on their website and on their Twitter page. So instead of it being all their bright colours for their logo, they had a grey um, sort of broken heart image. And so they were just really demonstrating Oh, and they stopped all their commercial advertising and marketing activity. So they didn't talk about anything else apart from this. And, and it was all done in a very measured way. But they didn't, they weren't really doing lots of social management, in, you know, um, other than the basic empathetic approach at the beginning, because they didn't have enough information. and They didn't know where things were going. So as long as you... Um, keep people informed you don't have to be continually responding 
you talk about the leadership needed to you know respond to a crisis in a in a way like Southwest Airlines did that takes a lot of real confident leadership whose job is it to lead that response and how do we know who's in charge when a crisis occurs so i think in every organization you need to have a team who are your crisis management team your social media crisis management team so they'll have other jobs which are you know their day jobs their day job might be running the pr team or it might be that they're the you know the chief comms officer or whatever it might be within the organization who's leading it but essentially you've got a team with a with a hierarchy within that um, where everyone knows what their roles are and that role those roles go down from being the key decision maker to having the roles for the people who are going to deliver on the ground you know so you're going to manage Instagram you're going to manage the external journalists you're going to manage um, Facebook you're going to manage whatever so everyone knows exactly what their responsibilities are going to be and the spokesperson who's likely to be the you know the chief exec of the organization is won't be the leader of that team so the person who's managing the process managing the decisions within that social media crisis management won't necessarily be that that spokesperson the spokesperson represents the organization if that's needed the person who's managing the delivery of all of this um you know of this process needs to be somebody who can control all of those different elements and pull all those strings and has the authority to make those decisions and often um you know in organizations big organizations organizations that might expect that they might have some controversy or there could be some really serious problems that they might face that could end up in a significant crisis they might have two teams um so two teams trained up to to do that so that if we have a crisis that goes on for a, a prolonged period they're able to tag team between each other so that one team gets a rest while another team continues to deliver that process. And, you know, in the same way the emergency services have handovers, they'll have practiced those handovers between those teams as well. Wow, yeah. How can small businesses replicate that? Because what you're talking about there applies with bigger brands, but I suppose there might, there'll be listeners wondering how they can replicate that with small businesses where there might be you know, um, only a few people that work at the company or a couple of people that work in marketing? So I think I think they need to think about what are the jobs that need to be done. And and, and although Southwest Airlines is a big organisation, there were some really um, simple jobs that needed to be done. The first job was that they, um, they needed to know what was going on. So they, you need to have a tool in place that's got social listening. So who, how are you going to find out what's going on and whether that tide is escalating or decreasing? Um, so, you know, that role needs to be done by somebody and who will do that? Uh, and in a smaller business, you may have more than one role within this um, thing. Who's going to be the spokesperson? So who's going to be available to be commenting to the external media, you know, the traditional media that everyone trusts, that's going to amplify things, that's going to take it out onto TV or or through online channels. Um, and then one of the things that's really important is to close down all the other activity that you've got going on. You don't want to be advertising money off vouchers or trying to drive people, you know, doing retargeting on ads and all this kind of stuff while all of this is going on. So who's going to make sure they're going to stop all the other activity? 
Um, and then I think we have one person making the decision and one person deploying it. So within a small business, you'd have somebody making the decisions. This is what we're all going to do. And then you're the guy who goes through and, and, and puts that into action. So, you know, puts the posts out on the social channels or stops the, the marketing activity on those social channels. Yeah. And you mentioned tools there. Are there tools to help us with crisis management that you could recommend? Yep. So I would say we need to have, you know, from a free, you know, social um, searcher, Google alerts, both free ways of finding out whether you've got people are talking about your brand or alerting to you when things are going on. You might have a social listening tool like a talk walker or a fan page karma or something like that, that will tell you what the sentiment analysis is um, and can tell you whether your sentiment is more negative than normal um, and uh, or whether you know you've got a huge amount more traffic than you would normally have so setting up some alerts like that and then I think there's also um, really important to have an internal comms channel that everyone can see where you've got full transparency so maybe that's something like slack or microsoft teams where everyone can see the conversation you can see what's going on if you're handing over between individuals then they can see what's happened before um, and you've got a way of filing and processing all of those things and I, I think that's really important that that, you know, that that's seen by everyone internally, but obviously isn't an externally visible um, channel. Yeah, of course. Um, no, that makes absolute sense. And so uh, this all sounds great, but it sounds like quite a scary thing that might happen to us if we'd never really like practiced or prepared. I mean, is there such a thing as some equivalent of fire drills in the world of crisis management, is there some way we can rehearse what we would do? Yes, and I think there's there's different ways that you can rehearse that. So you can rehearse it by, um, you know, actually doing some scenario. You know, so you're a strategist like me. You've probably done lots of scenario future pre future planning with clients when they're thinking about you know where their business is going, where their brand is going. So exactly the same way that you might do when you're doing um, business development and uh, strategy development with um, organisations about thinking about future scenarios, thinking about future impacts that can be, you know, is very, very worth playing out. So um, those kind of scenario workshops are really worthwhile. The other thing that you can do is um, actually work with, you know, an agency or an organisation that can come in and help you do it in real time. So it's a more expensive option, obviously, but um, a company like Polpeo, where they actually run with actors real time um, people who are you know taking the role of journalists they're taking the role of the public in social channels are actually um, responding to what you do and so you you can take your existing um, social media, crisis management plan put it into action and they will respond as though they're the public as long as as though they're the news media and will obviously try and catch you out to see how effective that plan can, is is actually in reality and for some organizations if you're in a in a sector where it's very um you know can be quite problematic or you know quite prone to crisis or 
the cost of that crisis can be very significant on your stock price or your reputation, then it might be worthwhile doing something like that. If if you're in a smaller business, just scenario workshopping what those options might be and, and thinking through what you would do, what roles you would take, how long it would take you to respond, have you got any gaps in what you're doing, um, can, can, can manage that. Yes, it's, it's partly um, a case of kind of asking what's the worst that could happen? You know, what would be the worst thing that could happen, um, you know, to our customers as a result of our products? Uh, what's the worst thing that people could be saying about us in social media and sort of everyone thinking through and talking through that together is just a really simple way, isn't it? Of making sure that when something really does happen, it's not the first time every, everyone's actually having to think about it. Yeah. And also going back to what you talked about, asked me, were asking me at the beginning, Will, you know, how can we spot things that, that actually might end up being a real problem before we even get to that stage. So because we've actually run through scenarios and we've thought about them, we could think about what might happen. So I'm going back to that dove example, really, um, you know, really, I think what was most surprising about it was that it was dove when everyone thinks of dove as a really great brand very socially um sensitive culturally aware all of those kind of things and they 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 did that ad that was on facebook which is about how their um skincare product was great for every kind of skin tone and complexion and type of skin but what what they did was they had a, a girl who was washing and then she turned into another girl who was black and then turned into another and then turned into a girl who was white and what happened was then somebody just screen grabbed what looked like a girl washing herself white and then put that out on Twitter. And of course, they got a huge backlash from that. But if somebody had sat there in that creative meeting and gone, oh, you know, maybe if you only saw part of this, <laughs> you know, if we think about how social media is used, how could this look? You know, it's just asking ourselves some of these questions, which is so easy not to do in a you know when we're working on a really great creative idea or you know or we just don't think sometimes or maybe we've not got enough diversity in our team or enough um you know questioning in our team to really challenge ourselves you know to stop those things happening okay so we've we've identified you know our crisis and we've um, acknowledged it and we started to triage it and we're well rehearsed we you know we're all set up we've we've um, got the tools and the, and the right people and processes in place I suppose so what is the plan what what does what does the management plan look like once we know we're actually in a crisis so um we'll 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 have a team a, a, a known team a set of people that we know are going to deal with it in a small business it might be two people um, you know, the, but we, in a larger business, it will it will be many more. But we will have a set of people and we will keep that number of people to the minimum. So we're, we're picking them because of the skills they've had, they've got and their ability to make a decision quickly. And they will all know what their roles are. So we'll get that team together. 
Uh, and then we will have a set of processes that we're going to go through. So some of the examples I gave earlier, you know, we're going to make a public statement that probably won't say very much, but it will be empathetic and make sh- make people aware that we are doing something and give us time to do that pausing, to do that reflection and 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 think about how we want to act. And we'll also be stopping everything else that we're doing. So, you know, if we really believe we're in a crisis, we don't want to have anything else going on. And I think sometimes people can be reluctant to do that stage, just do that stopping straight away, because that's a hard decision to make. But if we've if we've already triaged it and said it's a crisis, we need to stop that other stuff. We'll have our internal comms channel where everything will go through and immediately move into that. So we've got a a process that we'll work through in that and we'll know who's in charge. So there'll be one person who's making the decisions and then everyone else will do what has been decided. You know, this isn't a time for free forming your kind of own ideas of how to interpret this. We're going to be very clear, you know, it needs to be single minded communication, a bit like that JC Penny example I gave you, whatever channel it was on, it was only a small incident, but it stopped from being a crisis because they all responded in a unified way. Um, we need to call in our favours. So we've got, we'll have friends, we'll have influencers that we work with, perhaps we'll have journalists that we know well. Um, And those relationships, now we won't be calling them in on a social media channel, there'll be a phone call to them, you know, to say, oh, hi, this is happening, you know, just want to make sure that you're aware and, you know, please come through to me if you've got any questions. So we really open those means of communication that are offline from social media so that we can really communicate with them. And we'll know what we've got out there. So we, we, you know, what content, what have we got that we can use to help us respond to this? Do we need to create any more content? Do we really need to create anything? And really, we don't need anything fancy. We just need basic, um, you know, writing, but we need to be able to articulate what we want to say in a very clear way and consistent way. The other thing that we need to think about is what social channels we need to be on. So in a small organisation, we're probably likely to be on less social media channels. But the crisis might be happening on lots of different channels that we don't normally operate on. So that JCPenney example I gave you actually started on Reddit, which is quite an, you know, it's not mainstream social that everyone's on so but it was somebody on reddit who said it that the jc penny kettle looked like hitler and that's where it originally started so you need to be aware of where this conversation's going on and you'll need to be responding on those channels even if what you're doing on that channel is saying you know go to our social media feed on Facebook or blah, blah, to find out what's happening, you know, but you do need to be aware that you might need to operate in a place where you're not normally live. Um, So I know lots of brands who don't use Facebook anymore, smaller businesses don't use Facebook, might use Instagram, but they still need to maybe make sure that they've got some way of responding on the channel where the crisis is. And then think about what your tone of voice is. You know, sometimes we've got these cheeky brands that have got quite a quirky, funny, like to take the mick kind of tone of voice. 
might not that probably isn't going to be appropriate in this situation so just think about how you're going to flex that tone of voice to be really empathetic and then the other thing is how you're going to measure what's happening so you'll need to be listening all the time to what's going on um, to interpret you know how you might want to respond but also how you might recognize that we're actually in a situation where things are improving. So do you know when you're coming out of it as well as when you're going into it? So so you can start to manage that. Yeah, no, that's that's great. That's a nice succinct overview of the um of the process really. Um being prepared for a crisis and, and responding well in a crisis feels like it's something that certain companies just inherently do well because of their internal teams, because of their internal culture. So what sort of teams do you think typically fare well in a crisis? And how can we make ourselves more like them? One of the important things is that this team does know each other and that they do know, they've practiced doing something well in, you know, they've gone through that crisis scenario, planning together. They kind of know who each other are and they feel confident um, asking each other questions or, or make, you know, asking for clarification, making sure that they're all on the same page. So I think the kind of organisations and the kind of teams that work well are ones that have got a level of trust between them and they know that um, people make mistakes and what we're trying to do is we're all trying to work together for the sake of the organisation to do the best job that we can. If something goes wrong, which, you know, in a high pressure environment, we might not do it exactly how we meant to do it. We might have to recover, you know, from ourselves by maybe making a false step. But we're not in a kind of blame culture. We're actually in a very, very supportive environment where everyone's trusts each other to do the job that they're responsible for in this situation to the best of their ability and if something goes wrong as a team we'll pick ourselves up and, and face that as a team not as a kind of individual finger pointing exercise uh, you know because you know we may have even caused the crisis ourselves you know by by you know an employee might have gone rogue or we you know we could have done something all sorts of things we could you know things could have happened we might have responded too flippantly ourselves to a comment in social and it's gone wrong um, and we can't be pointing the finger we need to be thinking as a team to respond i think that's a really good point actually i think it's very important that we eradicate any trace of blame culture in a team because you're right it's so hard to act in a sort of confident um transparent open manner uh, to a crisis if there is you know if, if there is a perceived high risk of having the finger pointed at you you know for exacerbating the crisis or causing it in the first place so yeah you're right a very supportive atmosphere and one where there's, uh, there's not the risk of finger pointing. I think there's another thing as well that we should think about in teams. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of talk, isn't there now, about um, diversity of thinking within organisations, having people from lots of different backgrounds, um, lots of different perspectives within an organisation. And I think organisations who are like that are much more likely to 
be socially and culturally sophisticated rather than socially and culturally naive. So they're less likely to get themselves into trouble in the first place or they're more and they're more likely to spot things that might be problematic. So it's another reason, I suppose, for trying to ensure that we have more diverse and inclusive organisations and and teams, um, particularly in, a, in an area like um, social media, you know, crisis management and, and, and actually in social media itself, you know, because I think it's, um, you know, really important that, that we are aware of what that community is, because we're engaging directly with the community, whether it's our our followers or in in a situation that goes into a crisis situation the general public so we have to be able to be able to understand what that what that cultural empathy feeling is you know that's that's there yeah that's very true actually but that's another good point um so you know obviously we need to learn from crises you know they, they it's, it's a an opportunity in a way to come out stronger better prepared is there a process for doing this, a sort of gathering and in some way storing and getting value from those learnings effectively? Yeah, so I think a lot of people do have, they're quite used to doing post-mortems and they're used to sort of going through processes after, you know, they've had a, you know, they've done, maybe implemented a new project at work and all of those kind of things. So a lot of these um, things that you, skills and techniques that you use in those kind of situations are going to be really, really relevant um, within a social, post a social media crisis as well. I think there are these um I call it a kind of questioning approach. So actually it's it it then is about driving out the insights of what's happened, but in a structured way. And the way I think is best to structure it is into three areas: the experience itself, what we've learned, and what we've improved. So when we're trying to dig out what we think um what what happened in the experience. So what did the experience feel? feel like what did it feel like for your team to go through that crisis what did it feel like as somebody working for that organization how do we think it felt for somebody who was a fan or a follower of our business who really maybe has been disappointed in us or or it's changed their opinion of us what did it feel like for them should we do a bit of research to find that out can we ask them or can we try and think about what that might feel like um do we think that their opinion of us has changed and um and how do we feel about our own business do we feel more positive about our business or less positive about it so getting down to what the experience of it has done to us and what it's done emotionally with us and and our our community is really really important and that's slightly different i think than the normal kind of post-mortem kind of activity that you might do in another sort of project and then the next two stages are probably more similar to a normal post-mortem so you know um what can we learn and we want to learn what we can learn internally but what do we learn from our community about ourselves and what do you think our community learned about us um and what worked and what didn't work all of those kind of things and then what 
and then what are we going to do that's better? What could we do that's better? Can we change anything? Um, can we tweak some of the things that we do? Can we change some of the things that we've been um, thinking about? So, you know, I gave the example of Facebook earlier, um, doing things differently in the 2020 election than they did in the 2018. And I'm sure that, uh, 2016, and I'm sure that is because they thought about what the backlash had been about the way that they responded to the fake news and the Cambridge Analytica. And they've tried to learn from that and do that differently and be much more transparent, more open and have um, set up structures that seem to be taking seriously some of these issues that the public really, really care about in terms of ethics and responsibility. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, in, in, in their own way these crises are a a way to keep companies on track and keep them in touch with what matters to their audiences and in some ways like in the facebook example they're a kind of necessary course correction you know and the southwest airlines example i gave earlier they they're relatively small player in the us um and you know, this Christ, you know, somebody dying has never happened to them before. It was the most horrendous thing that could happen. And, you know, obviously their stock price went down and all sorts of things happened immediately. But within a few months, they came back and were voted as the best airline in the US in a YouGov poll. Um, because actually, they got a huge amount of publicity about themselves and about how they responded. And one of the things that they did, as well as the communication that they had and the clarity that they had on the communication, the empathy, they were also very generous. So they gave everyone, I think, who was on the flight, $5,000. They gave them another $1,000 worth of credit to take flights with them in the future. And they took everyone home and made sure they were all okay afterwards. So they were kind of not just communicating that they cared, they were demonstrating that they cared. And I think we have to marry that action with what we say. It's not just a communication situation. It's also how do we act in that situation? That's a very good point. Yeah, you really do have to, you have to be um, your your ethos and, and your values, not just, not just communicate them. That's um, a good note to end on, I think. Thanks, Julie. That that was great. That's really um, that's really informative. I should remind our listeners as well. You've written an ebook all about crisis management, which is available to DMI members. Um, and to access this and lots more invaluable resources, you can sign up for free at digitalmarketinginstitute.com forward slash ahead of the game. Julie, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Julie Atherton SW. Or on my website, um, small-wonder.co.uk. Thanks again, Julie. That's great. Thank you so much. And lovely to talk to you again, Will. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Myself and all the team at the DMI would really, really appreciate that. And it would help us get the podcast to more people hoping to learn more about digital marketing. So thanks again for listening. Take care and I will see you soon.